Before we get into the next episode of the Conjugate Chats, I want to thank the Department of Young Strain Coaches, the DOYSC, for sponsoring today's episode. The DOYSC is to help young coaches into the field of strength conditioning, whether that is CSCS prep, live discussions, internship or GA opportunities, or anything else strength conditioning related. They are here for a resource for young strength coaches going into the field of strength and conditioning. I'll drop the link in the description to the DOYSC's Discord so any young coach can have access to this awesome resource. So thank you for listening to the Conjugate Chats and the DOYSC for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your hosts here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. I have on today Ann Alexander of, where do you, where are you at right now? Willport High School. Willport High School. Where's that at? Um, It is on the east side of Houston, on the bay. Okay, so you're in Texas. Yes. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, and welcome to the Conjugate Chats. I'm glad that you're on here. I'm glad that you even agreed to be on here. It's awesome to have you here. So, to kick things off, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, where you've been, kind of your road to strength and conditioning. Okay, it's kind of a strange story because I never thought that I would be a strength coach. Um, I got my master's at Texas State University in 2012 and thought that I was going to do the exercise physiology, you know, more of the clinical side of things. Um, I did that for about six months and it, you know, it was not, it was not at all what I had anticipated. Um, so I had to kind of switch gears and I didn't really know what to do. And I ended up teaching English for eighth or in eighth grade. Um, for four years, and then a spot opened up at um, the school that I'm at now, and I applied, and I got it. But backtrack to the Texas State thing, there was a female strength coach at Texas State that she was the assistant um, for baseball and volleyball at the time, and you know, before her, I had never really even thought that this was a field that I could be in, and so it kind of got the the wheels turning in terms of like, okay, well, what do I want to do? So long story short, I fortuitously ended up in this position. Um, and I have a background, like personally, Olympic lifting. I was a cheerleader in college um, for only a year. Um, but I've stayed involved even while I was like not in the uh strength and conditioning field in one way or another does that answer your question yeah 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 we're just trying to get a little bit more inside yourself a little bit more background um so along with concentrating conditioning why the high school realm it's fun I mean you have and I think we end up having about 17 different sports we have over a thousand athletes but that's junior high and high school, you know, every weight room session is different. Every team is different. Every personality is different. You never get bored. And then of course the impact that we make with these kids is amazing. 
because they come in and we get to develop them for four years. And whether or not they go to play college or professional is you know neither here nor there. By the time they leave, they can move. They are proficient in the weight room. And ideally, you know, we've made and built relationships with the kids um, that, you know, I have, I've only, let's see, this will be my fifth year. I have kids that come back and, uh, you know, want, you know, want to do what we're doing. So that's a cool impact, especially with like our girls sports and like, well, what did, what did you do to, to get your job? And so it's fun to influence in that realm as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about going and teaching eighth grade English and then transitioning to a strength and conditioning spot. I mean, why not stay in education? Why did you want to go into strength and conditioning? I always, like, I'm always developing. Like, I always want to do something more. And so it was kind of a, I still had my CSCS. Um, well, and then to answer, I don't really know. It just was one of those things like I saw that the position is like, I, I could do that. You know, I was also, I forgot. I was also a junior high cheer coach at this time. So I was coaching. Um, that was a, that was an experience. Um, and so I saw the position I applied and that really, it's been the most amazing and rewarding transition. Now it was difficult switching from eighth grade English to strength and conditioning because there is very little overlap there other than if you can build a relationship with a stinky eighth grade boy, you can build a relationship with anybody. Absolutely. Uh, middle school is kind of a tough age to be teaching or coaching just in general. It's a, uh, they, you know, I think they lose their minds for about two years between seventh and eighth grade. And I learned a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I taught one year of middle school social studies, sixth grade. And oh. yeah, they were coming right out of elementary school. It was during after the COVID year. So that spring coming right into the fall. Yeah. So totally understand that side of things. Um, and you're, you're saying that you're always developing. So what are you doing to continuously learn in strength and conditioning? Well, one of the most beneficial things is, of course, you know, the NHSSCA conferences, uh, THSCA conference, you know, the, obviously those kind of um, opportunities, um, keeping up with as much of the NSCA literature as one can. There's a difficulty in, you know, carrying a lot of those ideas over, but it's good to to at least stay on top of what they're doing. Um, I signed up for that. Gosh, what is the test coming up? Uh, it's the NSCA's new certification test. Um, the sports science. That one. Yeah. Signed up for that. Um, not real sure how the test itself was going to go, but you know, when I see a certification, I try to go for it. Um, and like, I try to develop our program as well. So like our report strength and conditioning, uh, me and another guy were the first coaches that were, you know, the first strength coaches that LaPorte had. So we had to build the program, which let me just tell you, going from eighth grade English to first year building a strength and conditioning program, you know, that's thrown straight into the fire. Um, so 
I'm trying to continue building that program and like what we're able to do and serve and, you know, our technology. Uh, I was able to get that, uh, the in just blanked the program of excellence for the NHS SCA this year. Yes. Um, so that was exciting. That's awesome. And I'm going to try to do the NSCA one too. Just, you know, I like banners in the weight room. So that's awesome. Um, you kind of talked about it. So technology in the weight room, how do y'all implement technology in the weight room? Oh, well, it's not easy. Um, because you know, we have to, it, it's not just like what we want to do. We have to interact with the technology department. So anything that has an internet connection is, um, kind of an issue. We do the Titan uh, motion sensors. Of course, I don't know if we would consider this technology, but the uh, vert jump mat is the greatest thing that ever was created. Um, we we want to do more, you know, instead, of, right now we do workout cards. So we use a uh, strength tracker, we put the workout cards, but at some point when we get some money, we want to do the iPads on the rack so that we can, you know, post stats also the workouts, you know, that they get a little bit better feedback. Um, but you know, budget is what it is. So we don't have that just yet. So, and of course, you know, all the timing gates and we do have that stuff. So do y'all integrate VBT that velocity based training with your, uh, with your training right now, or is that something that you want to get going towards? Something we want to get going towards. Uh, we have started, let me backtrack again. This past year, um, the strength coach that I had worked with, he left and went to a different school. And so a new strength coach came in. He's absolutely fabulous. But we, I don't want to say it was a setback sort of year, but we kind of had to reconfigure some things because he brought in different experience and different philosophies and so the vbt is really more in his wheelhouse so okay. that makes sense yeah, but yes I, we're moving towards that okay awesome awesome so how do you b get buy-in with your athletes build relationships and you know th there's different strength coach personalities and you know we know the stereotypical tear the sleeves off and the handlebar mustache and that kind of thing that's not how I function I mean I I'm a mom and I'm a little bit too soft at times I'm sure but you know I try to build a relationship with each individual athlete and at least you know tell them something good during the weight room sessions you know monitor if a kid seems off, like just having conversations um, and letting them know, you know, that this is a two way street. If they have an issue, they can come to me and I don't yell, you know, I'm not going to yell at a kid. That's, it's just not my personality. I can get a lot more just my personality um, by like being calm and uh, loud, but you know, I just, I'm not going to headbutt anybody. Right, absolutely. Do you think you get a little bit more, um, I'm not going to say buy-in, but a little bit more respect in the weight room and from athletes just because, you know, maybe the sport coaches are yelling at them, whatever, and then, you know, home life, whatever. Do you think you get a little bit more respect since you're not that 
high tone, high aggressive person? It's a different thing. I mean, I'm good cop all the time. Like, you know, I don't deal with the the discipline issues. I don't deal with parents. You know, I'm kind of a safe sort of adult, you know, that they can come to. So I wouldn't say necessarily I get more respect than the sport coaches because it's just a totally different thing. But the relationship is definitely different with me versus their sport coaches. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the more difficult parts of being a strength coach? Oh, logistics and time. That's what hands down. I mean, we have two weight rooms and I, I can't, I mean, we're very, very blessed in LaPorte that the community invested in the schools in such a way that, I mean, like I said, we have two really nice, fully equipped weight rooms. Um, and then, of course, two strength coaches. So we're, we're very blessed there. However, you know, it's just trying to cycle in all the athletes and get everybody in three times a week. And, you know, who's going to come before school? Who's going to come after school? Um, and then, of course, you know, working with the coaches and all of their different personalities and different needs and trying to make sure that everybody's happy um, is a challenge for sure. But that part is very, very manageable. I will say on a personal note, being a mom of two little boys, plus the time that it goes into being a strength coach, I have to be very, very intentional with time management. It's it is very challenging to maintain that balance. And it's something that I prioritize because I don't want my boys to grow up not being with their mom, you know. So Right, absolutely. How difficult do you find that work life balance with being a strength coach and then being the mom and, you know, being the wife and all that kind of stuff? I fight for my time tooth and nail. And it's it's sometimes um a little more challenging than than at other times. But you know, if I say I'm leaving at whatever time, I mean I gotta go because you know, childcare. Um and you know, this is a job that is kind of all consuming. It's pretty much all we talk about, all we think about. So trying to be like as a wife trying to make sure that I'm interested and in asking questions about like my husband's job and like what he's doing, you know, not just coming in like, this is what happened today. And, you know, right. um, that, that is, a, I'd say it's pretty diff. Like that's probably the most difficult thing is the work life balance, but I, you have a schedule and I stick to my schedule um, hell or high water. And uh, that's just the way that it has to be. Now I have had some pushback, not, currently but i did work with um someone who so i was really frustrated so i have a, a three-year-old and an eight-month-old and whenever i found out i was pregnant with my youngest i mean i i it was a surprise um and i was almost upset about it so i'm like how on earth am i going to manage two boys a household a husband and then this over over the full-time job and i had someone tell me well you know maybe this job just isn't for you which made me really angry and um i don't think it was ill-intentioned but it was uh not well received and so at that point i was like okay cool well i'll show you um but 
you know, it's just things like that happened. So yeah, absolutely. So let's get into let's dive into a little bit of like training philosophies and stuff like that. So okay. what are the most important physical attributes for a strength conditioning coach to develop in their athletes? Oh, being able to squat, hinge, push, pull, um, and run with good running form, or should I say sprint, being able to actually sprint. Um, but in the weight room, we do a lot of work on uh, squat depth, of course, and flat back, you know, that's the one thing. I wish I had like a recording that I could just press and say, you know, flat back, shoulders back, you know, because the cueing, you know, it's what we do all the time. Um, we want our kids, we're, we're a very movement-based program. We want our kids to be able to move well. And then at some point, yes, we want to add weight to that, uh, or not ratio, add weight to that as well. But if they can't move, you know, correctly, then we're not going to develop them athletically. So they have to have to be competent in the movements. Absolutely. And we're kind of getting that shift from, you know, we're chasing numbers and we're trying to get a big back squat to, well, let's see how well you move. And then we can go from there with the weight. You know, we're starting to see that shift from there. You know, um, I work with football and football, you know, we're always trying to chase a number. Or traditionally, we've always been trying to chase a number. And right now, we're kind of peeling back, saying, okay, it's cool, you can do a 500-pound squat, but your, your hips, your knees, your, you're not really hitting death. I mean, are you really strong, or are you just, what, are you good at back squat, basically? So, you know, we kind of peel back a little bit. So I like that we're seeing that change from a weight view to a movement view. So I had to, I had to highlight that one. That, that's awesome. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit. So what is your process for like monitoring athletes' progress and making adjustments to their programs? Oh, okay. This is a big topic. All right. I start every year sitting down with the coaches and, you know, outlining their goals and vision and like what we need to do and kind of developing the game plan. And from that, I do the big annual periodization calendar, break it down and set the test times in based on the phase. Um, and then we, we test about every six or so weeks. It just, you know how school, the calendars are get weird. So it's not perfect, right. but we ideally test about every six or so weeks. And those are the big, okay, well, are we moving in the right direction? Are we not moving in the right direction? That's, the big times. However, you know, every day in the weight room is an opportunity for the, you know, qualitative analysis of movement or weight, you know, and if they are struggling with something, you know, we got to look at, okay, well, you know, progression wise, we should be here, but they're struggling with 82% or whatever. So we have to backtrack, see what's going on and, you know, reformulate what we're doing uh based on what's going on day by day and of course you know especially like baseball season they play seven thousand games and two games a week plus tournaments and you know the qualitative piece on those kind of things is really important because they're not going to be up to speed um all the time uh we have in the past implemented uh 
like, you know, the like readiness sort of tests before the weight room, like to just see how they're recovering and everything. Um, I'll be totally honest. I love doing that. But this past year with uh, all like we had a lot going on, um, we kind of moved from the actual quantitative piece of that and it just was, you know, me knowing my kid and and going based on that. Not the greatest thing, and I will totally admit, but you know, high school, you do what you can sometimes. Right, absolutely. So you said that y'all have two weight rooms, right? Correct. Two weight rooms. So how do you even manage two weight rooms? That is the whole logistical nightmare of uh, our job. It's like, you know, the I feel like we're spinning plates. So management-wise, we'll have obviously one strength coach in one weight room, and then the other strength coach in the other weight room simultaneously running uh, the workouts. So our school is set up that first, fifth, and seventh periods are the athletic periods. First period, there's like three teams. And so we have absolutely no problem fitting everybody in or covering, you know, weight rooms or whatever. Fifth periods mainly are big varsity um, boys sports, basketball, volley, or not volleyball, me, basketball, football, baseball, and soccer. And then seventh period is everybody else. And that one is really challenging because, like, the freshmen and JV football are also seventh periods. So in our field house weight room, it's totally full of those guys. And then I'll have like four teams at the same time coming into the weight room that I'm in. So it's just, I mean, I just feel like spinning plates is the only way to describe it. We have a big board that we write everything down on, and then we send out weekly weight room schedules uh, to make sure that everybody's on the same page. But the you, like communication with the coaches on that is the most important thing because you don't want them going to the wrong weight room or you don't want, you know, you, you, we have to be very transparent that, yes, I would love to have you guys in here four days a week. However, we have to be able to accommodate other teams. So it's a challenge, but we I think we do a pretty good job of being proactive and, and scheduling and communicating and working on making sure that everybody at least gets two days. Right. And you said you work with how many teams? It, I think it breaks down to like 17. It's something something around that. So I, do you want me to name them all? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you're good. Um, how do you program for 17 teams? I mean, they all got off-season, a competition season, and a preseason. I mean, how do you – how does that even work? We spend a lot of time in front of our computers because, um, I mean, again, we everything is periodized. So like every workout is specific to that team, specific to that phase, specific to, you know, special issues that the team may, you know, have at the time or for individual. You know, we have a pitcher that he has help or elbow issues, but he's also you know, playing year round, you know, so we have to change workouts for the individual too, based on 
what they're doing. It's a lot. Um, and I know a lot of schools don't do it this way, but we, we truly program and periodize just for every individual sport. And it's very difficult because no two workouts look anything alike. So another weight room management challenge is to make sure that everybody knows what they're doing. And, you know, we can't have just a universal timer because somebody's maybe doing six sets of eccentrics and then somebody else is doing three sets of 10, you know, so we have to, to be very, very intentional with our instruction, as well as make sure the coaches like their sport coaches are competent and confident in being able to, you know, kind of keep a better eye on them and be able to, you know, run the workout essentially while we are teaching somebody else how to do something down the way. Yeah, absolutely. I always kind of was curious about that. I mean, you're sitting there juggling 17 sports, and they all got their energy systems, and they all got different demands. I mean, that, that's a lot of time to spend on a computer just to, for one sport, even like football. Football right now, I, I mean, it's hard to just program for football because there's so much that goes into it. Now you you got baseball, you got softball, you got. Um, do y'all have swimming? Swim and dive, yes. Swimming. Uh, I just found out that there was a school in Texas that has a water polo team. I mean, like, how do you? We we have that too. I didn't know that water polo was a high school sport. I... So it's not, or this will be the first year that it's UIL. So historically, it's just been kind of a thing that happens, but now it'll be UIL this year. So it went. Is it like a, it was it like a, like a club before and then just kind of progress into a, a sport? I don't know how that works. You know, that's a good question. Um, cause the high school that I went to is known for their water polo and they won like state two years in a row. But now that I think about it, it's like, so was it club state? Like, I don't, I honestly don't know. Like I would have to, to, to search that. Gotcha. Cause I know there's some sports that become more popular and then they integrate it into their athletic system. And some things are just like a club. Like in Illinois, there was a rugby team that we had, but it was a club rugby team. It was affiliated with school, but it had mm-hmm. the name, the the image, and everything like that. But it wasn't affiliated with the school. It was a club. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, do y'all have wrestling? We don't. We do not have wrestling. That's more of a some schools in the area do, but we do not. That's more of a Midwest thing nowadays. Ain't? Yeah. Yeah, I've never been in a school that has wrestling, but I know like. Um, Stafford, which is up the road from us, do it's just it's kind of what what is the interest? Kind of like a hit or miss sport. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, we already talked about a little bit about technology, so let's kind of get into advice. What advice would you give a young student or athlete that wants to go into strength and conditioning slash sport performance? Huh. To intern at a bunch of different types of facilities and see what you're into. Because, you know, I have people like, well, why don't you go to the college setting? I don't want to go to the college setting. I like high school. You know, I know this is kind of my my niche. And it's being able to find out what you like and, you know, what what you find the most rewarding. I've got friends that do the, the more private sector uh, strength conditioning and Again, I could not do that. But it, the biggest thing is, you know, intern, shadow, talk to people, you know, and also 
increase your network. That's something that has been incredibly beneficial to me. And I have to be totally honest. Okay. So I went first year that I was strength coach, I was pregnant. And then the year after that COVID happened. And then the year after that, I was pregnant again. And, you know, so, and then my husband was working far, far away. So I was primarily the one taking care of the boys. And um, now he doesn't, but because he is home now, um, and he, he started a business and he's at home. I'm able to go to these conferences, you know, I'm able to talk to people, you know, I can stay later at work. Um, the network has been like being able to actually network has been so rewarding. So that's something that I would really advise um, a young strength coach or someone that aspires to be a strength coach. Do that. Get the student memberships to the NHSSCA. That is the best resource that I've found. Um, that's pretty. Oh, and if if they do find their niche, know your worth and um, you know some of the strength coach salaries are pretty insulting and you know know your worth yeah absolutely let's kind of peel back a little bit you just were you were speaking at a conference right not too long ago about a week week or two ago yes it was last week was it the the texas high school football conference Yes, we, we call it coaching school. It's the Texas High School Coach Association, the big coaching school. Coaching school, um, Yes, and so they are trying to move away from just being a football-centric sort of conference, and um, they are doing more um, non-football things. So I actually, it's funny that you ask about swimming. I spoke about strength and conditioning for high school swim. So that was very... It was really exciting, but you know, everybody's like, "Oh, there's a swim room." Yeah, that's awesome. So, talk to us about speaking at that conference. Was it, you know, exciting? How? I mean, what was it like? You know, being there and getting to speak. You know, just in general. I was so very, very nervous, um, but it was really, really exciting. Uh, a guy, you probably know him, Reb Brock, uh, contacted me about speaking, um, and he and Missy Mitchell McBeth kind of helped me get into that. But I spoke on behalf of the NHSSCA at the THSCA conference, so it was kind of a strange um, way to go about it. But um, it was it was a really really cool experience. I hope that I get to do that more. Um, but when I was asked to speak on swimming, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, of all the topics, like, you know, I, I, I was never a swimmer, you know, I, but we do program for high school swim, obviously. And a lot of the coaches in the area, coaches, a lot of the schools in the area, I know don't even have swim in their weight room. So something a little bit different, um, that we do in LaPorte. And so I tried to make the presentation, like something that a high school swim coach could come and watch this and then get this information and have these resources and they can go and set their own program up without being too, you know, strength coaches, we can kind of talk strength coach. And so I tried not to, to do that. I wanted it to be 
beneficial for the high school coaches. But it was a really cool experience. That's awesome. The NHSSCA, that's a great organization. Um, it is. Recently just got to go to their NatCon in Nashville. Uh, what was it, about a month ago? Roughly mm -hmm. about a month ago. And that was a you know, a great experience. Got to be in the session with Missy McBeth. Um, you know, just watch her kind of have command of the room and talk, you know, just metrics and just doing their, it, it was really, really awesome to be there. So, uh, anyone listen to this, the NHSCA, you need to join it. It's a great organization. Um, let's talk about coaches since we talk about Missy a little bit. Uh, what are your top five coaches that influence you in strength and conditioning? Okay. So couple of them are not strength coaches the first one is a or he was our high school football coach when i lived in a little bitty town uh called comfort he when i was in high school um took some of the track girls and did strength and conditioning with the track girls and i at that moment was hooked like i knew that um you know weights were all the things so he was very, very influential, and I still keep up with him. And another coach, it was this, I don't know, I wouldn't know if I would call him a coach, but it was a, a trainer at a gym that I went to in high school. He introduced me to Olympic lifting, and so that was also a game changer. Now, strength coach-wise, of course, Missy Mitchell McBeth is, like, you know, the best. Um, she, you know, is you've heard her speak absolutely right? yeah very very concise um and of course uh rev brock because he has you know is i wouldn't say a mentor just yet but like i really really respect him and he he's done some really great things in the field and he's also one if you ever get to see him talk you need to to go um see him talk as well um and then my Fifth one, I'm gonna have to say my partner at work, Travis Janeway. He is very, very, very good with the strength side of things as well as the people side. Um, he's brought in some pretty innovative things to report, and um, his experience has been a really nice addition to the the department. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who's a coach that you believe? everyone should be following whether this is twitter instagram social media just in general who's a coach that you think everyone should be following just one just one. Oh, okay. i like tim i always say his last name wrong tim kettering it's valhalla valhalla strength yeah there we go i like him um i also pat basil always post really good stuff too Pat Basel has been really killing it in the game lately. He's putting out a lot of good free content. Mm -hmm. You know, he could easily make a few, few, you know, quick bucks off of his stuff, but he's putting it out for free. I, I respect the hell out of him for that one. Yeah, that is that is a good point. He has some really great resources. A uh, couple last questions here. So when we talk about strength and conditioning, right, oftentimes we hear coaches get stressed out or burn out. Okay, how do you handle stress levels and, you know, if you have ever got burnout, you know what I mean, how do you handle burnout? The time management thing, I mean, if you can prevent burnout, obviously that's the way to, to do it. But, I mean, we've all, we've all been there. Um, 
being able to take a step back and maybe take some time off for yourself if that's possible, you know, making time that you are getting your workout in because obviously we're in this field because that's what we do, you know, and not neglecting, um, you know, your own, I hate using the term self-care, but essentially making sure you're taking care of yourself. But the time management piece, I do also like wellness coaching on the side. And one of the big things that I try to teach people how to do is that time management thing. Because if you have your schedule and you stick to it, then you're able to kind of prevent that burnout. Now, that's not to say that, you know, the summer strength and conditioning every year is a real big grind. And for some reason, if I burn out, it's in the summer. And it's also probably literally burnout because it is 100 million degrees in Houston and 1,000% humidity. You know, and it, I just, I do not look forward to summer strength and conditioning. And so making, you know, being aware of that and owning it um, is also very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And let's kind of backtrack on something that you said. You said taking care of yourself. So mental health has been something that is increased in awareness, especially the last, I would say, probably about 10 years. Mm-hmm. you know, really increased in awareness of it. How do you, how do you take care of your mental health and how do you take care of, or I, I, I guess I should say like awareness of your athletes and sport coaches, mental health as well. Okay. I'll start with the athletes. Cause that's a whole lot easier. Um, it, you know, knowing your kids, like being able to and know if something is off has been very, very helpful. Like you can have conversations with them again because, you know, strength coach, you're a good cop all the time. So if you pull some kid in the office, it's not a gotcha. It's, I mean, I truly need to know what's going on. Are you okay? Like, you know, um, so addressing that and then referring up, you know, we're not uh, mental health providers, you know, but we do offer the kind of first line in, of defense so if something's going on, we can refer to the school nurse or to the sport coach to talk to the parents. You know, there's several different resource or outlets that we can we can do. Um, now, I like to do all of the deep breathing and stuff with uh, our athletes at the end of uh, the workout. It's just like kind of a time to cleanse, you know, or clear the head. And also I try to emphasize, you know, in a game situation. You can use this too, or in a time of stress, you can use this. And our, you know, you know, baseball players are a little a unique group. They are obsessed with this deep belly breathing. Like it is so funny. Um, so the the coaches and the athlete side of things, there's a lot there's a lot of ways you could go with that. But in general, I feel like if you know your your athletes and you can pay attention, you know, and talk to them or refer that's a big thing you know we have a lot of girls that do the cutting thing and so with the strength coach you know all right we're in a front rack position where they like to do the wrists and then the tops of the legs and so that's first i mean i can't tell you how many girls i've uh, had to refer up to the we we call in texas the protocol is you go to the school nurse so then from there it's addressed um we deal with that one a lot for my own mental health, uh, so I would like to say that I do weekly therapy sessions, uh, but I don't. I used to um, because that's a whole 
you know, it's another time thing and another stressor. Um, I feel like everybody, no matter your background, could uh, really benefit from cognitive behavioral therapy on at least like a weekly basis. Um, as soon as my kids are a little bit older, I'm going to try to do that again. But for my own mental health, my, my workouts are like, that. that's my time. So, you know, I consider that, you know, to be cleansing and um, it's a very sacred time. Like we do not mess with mommy's workout time. My little boys, well, the eight month old doesn't know any better, but the three-year-old does know. Um, and that making, you know, that's something I do for myself is I make time to do that every day. Also, I mean, we don't address this enough, but proper nutrition and eating well and staying hydrated, that's all very important for, you know, your physical as well as your mental health. So just try to take care of myself as much as I possibly can. So kind of going off of that, right? Uh, you're talking about taking care of yourself, being in the weight room, you know, doing the doing the dang thing, right? Do you, do you, you know, exp- or how should I say this? Do you work out in front of your athletes? Do they see you doing the things that, you know, you might program them to do? Uh, yeah, go there. Not a workout per se, because I'm, you know, I can't work out and coach them at the same time. However, like when I demonstrate something, I mean, it's very evident that uh, I do work out because I wouldn't be able to do, you know, a power clean or whatever with their weight on the bar. Um, and I talk about, you know, like, oh, I would talk about my workouts with them. I mean, not like, hey, this is what I did, but like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm getting my run in after this. You know, they they know that I'm walking the walk. That's something that I try to be very transparent about. Yeah. I mean, I will say we have a our arena. Uh, there's a concourse level that I go run laps um, upstairs sometimes. And then, you know, I will lift in the weight room and the kids will be coming through when they see that. But it's not an intentional I'm working out with you kind of thing because I do need to still be able to coach. Right. Absolutely. So there's the, a big debate on Twitter, right? There's always a, oh. always a debate on Twitter. You know, do strength coaches need to look the part? Do they need to do the things that their athletes are doing? You know, if you're a legend like Mike Boyle, who's like in his, I don't know, late 50s or 60s, I don't know how old he is. I mean, if you're a legend like Mike Boyle, do you still need to be doing the, you know, 400-pound squats and everything like that? Or, you know, when you're a younger coach, you know, do you do you think it's important for strength coaches to, I don't, I don't want to say look the part, but be physically active enough to do the things that the athletes are doing. I am shamelessly in the camp of um, I think we need to be able to to do to do what the athletes are doing. Now, the caveat to that is, I mean, I'm not trying to out squat anybody in the weight room. It's a movement thing. We need to be able to move correctly because I mean that's what the human body was meant to do. Like I really get into the whole Kelly Starrett, um, you know, supple leopard thing um, that, you know, our body is designed to move in these patterns and we need to be mobile and strong enough to do that. So that's, I don't, you know, if you have a six pack or not, that doesn't matter. I don't care if, you know, I, like I said, I'm not trying to out squat anybody in the weight room, but I am trying to do the most perfect squats that I can. And, you know, the most perfect movements does that make sense yeah absolutely. and also be healthy i mean we we don't 
spend enough time talking about physique and you know a physique is a result of proper nutritional choices and exercise and stuff so just being healthy on all around i think is a very important thing for strength coaches because like it or not the kids are looking up to you they're modeling your behavior you know you're you're a role model so i'm i think we need to look the part yeah absolutely so i wanted to peel back just a little bit and talk about uh the mental health side with athletes you know you ask them how are they doing and usually they'll say good you know kind of go along do you ever catch them off guard and you ask them the same question again like how are you actually doing and they kind of see you actually you know you care more of them as a person than as an athlete yes and there's some specific times that i can tell you that or that i you know that come to mind but yeah like uh you'll see a kid that you can tell something's off and you know you ask them you know you all right something going on oh yeah no i'm fine or the you know this thing the shoulder shrug that they yep. do and then okay i'm i'll let you sit with that for a minute but then i'll go back around and revisit you know what's going on is there anything i can do and a lot of times they will open up you know it could be like they had a bad um fight with their girlfriend or whatever um but there you know there is that open communication that in general i had some successes with yeah absolutely well and thank you so much for being on here and agreeing to even come on here uh, it's completely awesome what you're doing and i love hearing your insights on you know mental health and you know how you integrate in technology right now and monitoring athletes it's, it's completely awesome so thank you for wanting to come on here well and thank you for including me i really appreciate the opportunity and i can't wait to listen to uh missy and daniel mckim and that guy is hilarious on your your future uh, uh daniel's awesome daniel, daniel daniel's gonna be awesome but um i really enjoy hearing all sorts of backstories and you know strength coaches from across the country and uh i mean i i just had i had to have people on here and i had to have you on here and you know while i was trying to come up with a list of people that i wanted to come on here i knew I want you on here. So thank you so much for even wanting to come on here. So, well, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate it so, so much. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, hope to talk to you again. Absolutely. And that's the next episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry. That in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. Thank you, Ann. Thank you.